2014, the first full week after recovering after Comic-Con. Uh, we've got some news from Comic-Con, some in comics, some in movies, some in television, and we also have uh, special some guests. Some in life. Some in life. But uh, first, of course, we want to introduce the, the regular panel here, of course, our man in Los Angeles. I'm Dave Costa. And podcast producer and moral compass of the show. Rick Brett Snyder. That's right. And this week, we're going to start off with two special guests. Uh, we have with us, uh, they have a graphic novel coming out from Image Comics next week. Uh, isn't that right, guys? It is next week, right? Uh, August next 6th. Wednesday, yeah. yeah, August 6th and next yeah. Wednesday. Uh, is Displaced Persons. And uh, we have the writer, Derek McCulloch, uh, which causes confusion trying to abbreviate. McCon McCulloch, but we've been through this many times before, and uh, the artist Anthony Peruso. So, welcome, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. And I'll say up top so that I don't forget, next week Derek is actually signing at one of our home stores, Elusive Comics and Games, 2725 El Camino Real in Santa Clara. Uh, you'll be signing Displaced Persons, and I saw copies of Pug and copies of Gone to America there, ready to go. So uh, what time will you be signing, Derek? Uh, wow. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think it's, I think it's something like five to nine. I don't know. Five to Did nine. You... I'll take that. I'll take that. Five yeah. to nine. But, uh, mm. let's, let's begin with, let's say, let's talk about, it. first of all, I've, uh, give, I did, uh, Derek sent me a copy, uh, of Displaced Persons and I actually stopped reading because I want to buy it. And so <laughs> if I'm going to buy it, I don't want to know how it ends. So, uh, I, I was really enjoying it. So, uh, but why don't you give us a, a bit of a rundown of, of what Displaced Persons is, Derek? Uh, it, it is, uh, but you know, I've, I've been working on this book a long, long time. I, uh, started, started writing it in when it was still the last millennium. And uh, I've I've had a lot of time to think about how to describe it briefly, and uh, all I've done is think about it and really never come up with anything. So I I do not have a one sentence pitch for it, but it's 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 a whole bunch of different things. It's it's uh, three linked stories. The first one takes place in uh, 1939, and it's kind of a detective story. Mm -hmm. uh, the second second piece takes place in 1969, a, uh, among other things, a drug heist story. And 
the last one takes place in 1999, and it's a story about uh, domestic violence and real estate. And uh, they all are linked together through uh, uh, an, an overarching time travel story that, that connects all three. Uh, so yes. the, 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 short, the shortest thing I've come to, to uh, uh, a quick tag for it is that it's a time travel story, but not really. Okay. I was going to, how about Kent Family Chronicles with time travel? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you may have that. I mean, it, it, another thing is like you, because you have this great, uh, or I guess you and Anthony collaborated on this, this great uh, genealogy. Um, mm-hmm. That again, I, I need to buy the book because the way it's on PDF is kind of, I'm not sure I'm seeing it exactly in the order you meant me to read it. And so that's the first thing I thought is like, okay, this is you know, a generational saga going on. Um, and it's also an, um, an off. I think I'll call that an off-sized book. It's not uh, it's not the standard eight and a half by eleven. Uh, you're right. Kind of more of a square bound. So it is, it uh, is square. Yeah. So it's square bound. Why? Uh, and maybe this is uh, something for Anthony to answer. Why choose that format? Well, um, I, was, I think it was mostly Derek's uh, idea on on the square format. Maybe uh, maybe Derek, why don't you uh, bring up the history yeah, of that part? Yeah, yeah, that decision uh, predates Anthony's involvement on it. I, um, I did, I did, uh, um, actually, I worked on a couple of books that were square anthologies, uh, and, uh, I worked on Comic Book Tattoo and, uh, the Spearman book that Image did. And, um, I actually initially thought that, that the right shape for it would be circular. It really should be a round book. Uh, that's hard to keep on the shelf exactly and it's hard to bind so so the, the closest you could come uh, within the dictates of, of uh, you know practical publishing uh, publishing considerations is, is, is square every you know the, the, the story um, kind of twists in on itself and, and I, don't know, I, I, I thought the square shape kind of reflected that the idea that you know no matter which way you turn this book around it's still the same shape okay that makes sense so how did you sure enough. yeah how did you bring anthony on the how did you guys come together on this project that's uh, a long story <laughs> yeah yeah you can take that one anthony um well it's interesting um i've known derek since i think around 2005 so even before i met him um, the book had started to take shape, um, and I'd seen it. Um, he'd been working on it at the time, and I, it's interesting because I've seen it develop kind of through the years. And actually, I think Derek said that he started it officially in 1999. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, through there was the first artist, Rance, uh, did a lot of work, and he had to drop out. Uh, Derek found another artist um, that did a few, I think, headshot drawings, not very much work. And then we had collaborated on a couple uh, projects previously. Um, we had done a short through Pop Gun. We did a short through Fractured Fables, both of those through Image. And we started working on another project 
that was set kind of in a similar time period in the 30s or so. And Derek kind of got the idea that maybe I would be a good replacement. And um, he sent me the script. I read it. It's the best thing I've ever read as far as a script coming my way for something to draw. And I, I just had to say yes. Cool. Cool. Um, so uh, what, what, I mean, you said it's the best script you've ever read for something to draw. So what really drew you to it? I think the complexity of it. Um, I mean, it's a really a tight story. It's really well thought out. Um, when you read the beginning of it, you might be a little bit confused um, as to how all these things connect together. But when you finish it, there's kind of this aha moment that, wow, now, wait, now I, I'm starting to understand this. I need to read it again. And then you read it again and you're like, how did, you know, how did Derek come up with all these twists and turns to fit all this, um, narrative together? It's uh, it's a very dense story. And I just think as a reader, it was just, um, I just couldn't wait to, to get into those, uh, into the visuals and, and tell the, help tell the story. Yeah, I, I really want people to read the book twice at least <laughs> to, to get, get every last bit out of it. Well, it's a mark of a good book, right? And, and, and I should ask then how much is it retailing for? Uh, you're asking the wrong guy again. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think it's, uh, it's, it's retailing 17, for seventeen ninety nine. Seventeen ninety nine, yeah. Okay, yeah, so seventeen ninety nine. You know, people should they read it twice, get their get their absolute money's worth out of it, and those are the kinds of books I respond to, uh, yeah. loving having to having to read it twice because you know you get that second response. So, um, yeah, that's great. Why? Uh, any question for either one of you? Why? I mean, there are many publishers that are doing kind of interesting and complex work like this um maybe not the big two as they say but but why go to image um well i've, I've got a long-standing relationship with image i guess is the, the short answer uh i did my first book with them in 2006 and uh this is my fourth full-length graphic novel i did a kid's book i've done a bunch of anthology what uh stuff um they're for, for for a lot of the stuff I do, they're they're they're, they're kind of my, my my first choice, my first place to go. I I know the people there. The, the, you cannot beat the deal in in comics, and uh, uh, I don't know. I've had I've had good experiences there over the years. Well, great. Um, yeah, Image is the only place I think. Well, I've been published a couple places, but majority of my work has been published through Image or Image Shadowline. So. It's kind of a natural thing, I guess, for me too. Sure, sure. And and now you know this is now about to come out. You can take your breath, and then what's next for both of you? Uh, well, Anthony mentioned the other project uh, that we we collaborated on. That's um, an anthology of of stories, uh, adaptations of Damon Runyon stories. This is another one that's been in progress for a long time. Uh, yeah, my, you my, talked about it the last time you were on our podcast. Probably did. Probably yeah. did. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping it uh, is done and ready to come out next year. That's the plan right now. But, uh, you know, I, I, I said that a lot of times with displaced persons over the last 15 years. So. <laughs> <laughs> Look, and if that's finally happened, anything can. Yeah, okay, so. yeah. Well, good. Well, great. Uh, once again, you'll be signing uh, sometime between 5 and 9 p.m. 
uh, at Elusive Comics and Games, 2725 El Camino Real in Santa Clara. That's Derek McCulloch is signing next Wednesday, August 6th, when the graphic novel comes out. Anthony, are you doing any personal appearances for it? Yeah, I'll be doing a signing um, same day, August 6th, um, here in Minneapolis is where I'm local. And that's okay. at uh, at the comic, uh, comic Book College. It's just off of Hennepin and, and Lake. Is that a store or an actual college? Um, it's it's an actual store. It's got a kind of a funny name. Okay. No, no, I was like, I thought it'd be great store. at Minneapolis, you know, if, if they had a, a an actual college. Yeah. They don't uh, they don't offer a diploma, I don't think, do they? No. Okay. Well, well, what's ironic is I actually my day job I work at a a college that teaches comic book art, so that's kind of a ironic little twist there. Well, there we go. <laughs> All right. And I'm I'm actually doing two other pre-release signings. Uh, oh, is this, is this is this uh, show going to be up tonight? Is that? It'll likely make it up tonight. Okay. All right. I'll be uh, this this Friday, uh, August first. I'll be at Mission Comics in San Francisco. Again, I have no idea what the time is because I don't have the information in front of me. But it's sometime in afternoon through evening. And on Saturday, I'll be at the Escapist in Berkeley. Uh, Wonderful. Got, nice shop. Got the, Great. The, the information's all online somewhere if anybody wants to look it up. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for taking some time. I know it's especially, uh, Derek, taking t- a little time out of, the, out of your day job to uh, talk with us. So uh, thank you. We look forward to the book. All right. All right. Yeah, thanks for having us. Have a good night, guys. Okay. Uh, so we now go to the part where we get to talk about uh, what was going on, uh, not just at Comic-Con, you're right, uh, Nate, that there's, re- <laughs> how did you say that was? Real life news as well, because we're... <laughs> life no longer... news at Comic-Con, yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, the first thing that we ha- have up is, well, I, and I'm sure Nate and I both have, having been on the floor, some uh, weighing on this, but Mile High, uh, now I'm trying to think of the owner's name, Um Big giant in comics retailing. Uh, they're the ones out of out of uh, Denver uh, that always has a huge, huge presence on the on the front wall of Chuck of, Rosansky. Chuck Rosansky, there it is. Thank you, Nate. Um, who normally uh, I always buy at least one thing from Mile High, um, and they sent out uh, I guess a blog post which became you know is uh, being identified as the Mile High le- letter. Uh, Already in the midst of Comic-Con, this blog post came out, uh, making a, I, I don't know if I want to call it a threat, uh, just saying that... Um, it was regretful. Very regretful, so I, I won't say it's a threat. And we don't know that it's a, net, a definite um, article that it's going to happen, that, uh, that basically the publishers, the companies that come to display their wares are kind of ruining Comic-Con for the retailers who are coming and trying to make a buck and that Mile High may not actually return to uh, Comic-Con. That, uh, and, and, and a lot won't. Their point, of, point being, and I, I think there's an interesting discussion here, is that what has changed at Comic-Con over the last, let's say, six or seven years, maybe, is that uh, companies have started offering their exclusives and selling things themselves. And that actually has now extended to Image, uh, Dark Horse, 
DC and Marvel have exclusive comic book covers and exclusive merchandise uh, that may not be in the great limitations as, say, something from Mattel or, or Hasbro, but still, you know, even the, the Harley Quinn number zero, uh, not number zero, the Comic-Con special that you could get at the graffiti booth that was put out by DC, but it wasn't made available to retailers, so you couldn't buy it any booth but there. So, you know, I, there are, I, I, I read go, that, go and it, 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 that doesn't ring entirely true to me, because, the for one thing, those are new books, and I go to dealers to fill in my the older part. I don't go to a dealer to buy my new books this week. Plus, I, I can't see that it takes a significant amount of my budget out. My take on it is that there's so much to buy on that floor. And there, I, I want to say there's one, there's one more side to the story that Chuck does not actually mention yeah. in his letter. Normally, and as I said, I buy things from Mile High because they have pretty good deals on graphic novels, uh, trade paperbacks and so forth. I usually fill in with an archive or something mm-hmm. you know, that, I, that I don't have because I'll get a good, de- good deal out of there. They didn't do that this year. They oh. brought almost all back issues so um packaged and to some extent you know um so there were no trade paperbacks at their booth which is where they have made their money in the years past and they did have some convention exclusive things they'd bought ahead of time uh-huh. and were selling out of their booth so they changed their entire business model this year and he's not mentioning that at all Although I can say, see exactly what you're saying is if you go to buy back issues, then that would have made sense for Mile High to bring them. But the other thing with it is I don't know. I mean, you will fill in. I don't know that the modern fan, the younger fan, is all that interested. For one thing, they're but, buying a lot of graphic novels that, right. are, that are the fill-ins for all their old stuff they never bought. Right. Right. So, you know, I don't know. It'd be interesting to get Torpedo Comics in on this conversation uh, because, boy, I never saw them uh, with a dearth of customers. You know, that, that booth was, always, uh, for those who don't know, Torpedo Comics is uh, is the uh, booth that comes and sells graphic novels, trade paperbacks at 50% off consistently. Um, and you find some really great stuff there. And... Um, that that booth was, in fact, I, I get to say because I already told Rick, you know, that we were talking on the podcast how many weeks ago about the Marvel Godzilla stories. It was back when lo- Godzilla was in the theaters. Yeah, and you were lamenting that, you know, no one's going to get to read those Marvels, and I said, no, there was an essential volume. Well, I found, I, I found the Godzilla Essentials at uh, at, at Torpedo for. Fifty percent off, which was awesome, and then I bought a copy for Rick, and I bought a copy for myself. So the you know, if people won't get to read it, well, we will. We'll yeah. get to go back there. And, I don't and, have to dig in my long boxes to find all those issues. Well, that's what I figured. That's why I, I thought you know, I, exactly. I know I figured you had all the issues, but I, when we've been you've been buying comics as long as we have, it's better to have a trade pa- yeah. <laughs> paperback on the show, and you can loan a trade paperback out and not yeah. feel bad if it gets lost. Right, so. right. And while well, I can convince my son to read black and white comics because it's Godzilla and maybe he will enjoy it. Sure. So, you know, I'm still looking for... It was uh, before man, they invented color, Luke. Uh, no, he doesn't believe that. <laughs> um, you know, I'm still hoping they do a Microsoft Essentials. But, uh, Microsoft, Micronauts Essentials. Uh, but anyway, so... That would be uh, awesome. I would yeah, totally Microsoft buy that. Microsoft Essentials? No, <laughs> no, Microsoft Essentials was an entirely different thing. 
that was an operating system they used to no that was a uh, security program oh was it was it really in the yeah i installed it on your computer once oh and <laughs> nothing has worked right since i can't get in it's very secure yes. uh so anyway i get what chuck rosansky's saying though and I, i've been seeing a, a ripples in other articles and commentary throughout of this idea that you know what's uh, what's happening is that people aren't really when they go to Comic Con because there's so much. To, I, I think because there's so much to buy, it's not like a, an elect, consumer electronics show where people are are buying high end items, you know, or can afford to. I think most of us go and spread the wealth around yeah. in small ways. Like I'll buy a paperback from one place and then I'll go from another. Like I, actually, one thing I bought. Uh, was I finally went to the comic book legal defense fund and I've been looking, looking for that collection of uh, the Legion of Superheroes Great Darkness Saga. Oh. So uh, they didn't have a hardback. They had a paperback of it and it was signed by Paul Levitt. So it cost me, you know, $20 more than the pay- $10 more than the paperback would have ordinarily, but I'd never seen it in paperback either. And then I got Levitt's signature and it went to the CBLDF. And, you know, so I was glad to do a little there. And, you know, buy a little from Torpedo and then buy from little retailers throughout from publishers directly, you know, um, which is the other thing, too, is when I go to Comic-Con for trade paperbacks, I also kind of want to give it directly to the creator, buy somebody's book directly from them so they don't have the, you know, the markdown that, you know, by going to because they sell your book to Diamond for half the cover price or less so that then. Uh, stores can have a markup and make a little profit. So I'd rather give, if a book has a $5 cover price, I'd rather give it to the creator who's trying to get by and let him have all five bucks, you know? Mm-hmm. So th- that's my take there. But I know it, it's a, it's definitely one of those things where I think more than ever, and I was just talking with somebody from Dark Horse today, that uh, more than ever, this is a transition year from Comic-Con in that uh, – Every year people talk about how big it is, it's too big, it's blah, blah, blah. This has been a Comic-Con with acts of violence uh, and uh, things where even though I know that their management is trying desperately to get things back under control, it felt a little out of control this year. Wow. I didn't hear anything about the violence. uh, Well, unfortunately... Uh, you know, I didn't put this down in, in the itinerary, but this uh, but the story has been breaking uh, all this week. Is that a cosplayer? Uh, there were two uh, because you know harassment's been a big issue, but this takes it above and beyond. Uh, a cosplayer who is underage, therefore we nobody knows her name, but she was dressed as Roger Rabbit. The photograph was tweeted out. Um, uh, apparently, it's a Saturday night uh, ran away. There was a disagreement with her friends. She ran off. She was found early Sunday morning uh, beaten and bloody uh, by the side of the road, and there has been an arrest made, um, thankfully. Uh, but that, you know, someone and the person was arrested at the Marriott, therefore, a guest, possibly another con- convention attendee. Um, due to the nature of the charges, it's still speculation because they're very vague, and again, because she's underage. But. I think it's safe to say if the guy didn't rape her, he tried. And um, so this poor girl is in the hospital. We don't don't know her name, shouldn't know her name. Um, but what we do know is that something was out of control, that there's this harassment. And uh, Adrian Curry, let's give actually a better story here about 
this is odd to say, a better story about harassment. Um, Adrian Curry and another co- was dressed as Catwoman, and another cosplayer friend of hers, and, and the, the cosplayer celebrity names don't mean much to me, but was dressed as Tigra, and someone uh, tried to pants her. They so, did pants her. They did pants her. Adrienne Curry chased the guy down and whipped him because she was dressed as Catwoman. Oh, my and God. had the whip <laughs> and beat the guy. And I say good for her. I hate to say it, but good for her. Providing that uh, wasn't his plan all along. What? No. <laughs> oh, yes. It was secretly, it was Mr. Masochist. Uh, was No, I mean, it's just... This is out of control to me. That is. You know, that they had to. And, and the day before Comic-Cons, uh, actually Wednesday, I got an email. All press got an email that included their hara- Comic-Cons harassment policy, which is really an anti-harassment policy. I shouldn't say it, you know, that way. And the fact that we've come to a point where you have to spell out, don't be a douche, you know. <laughs> this has been a big thing in fandom, not just in, in Comic-Con, I, I know, but I know. Uh, almost every convention. S- I'm involved in a number in planning a number of conventions, and every one of them has uh, has had this debate about uh, a, a tolerance policy towards various behaviors, and it's it's kind of weird because you you don't want to be in the situation where you're acting like a police force, but at the same time the convention gets blamed for the behavior of citizens in that town. Rit, I, I understand, and that's the thing is what has been so disturbing to me is this kind of behavior is not something that ever ever would have occurred to me you know as a younger man you know it's just i mean you know what i mean i mean i'm not a harasser thank you you know and 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 so to say that there to realize that there are people that are going that have so little respect for the other con goers just disturbs me and I know it's happening at other conventions, and I know that it's happening to cosplayers a lot, but not just to cosplayers. You know, somebody uh, in the wake of it has written an article about how, like, you know, when Harlan Ellison won a Hugo, and he uh, and a woman presented the award to him, yes. and he squeezed her breasts, and everybody let it go because it was Harlan five years ago. And I'm like, well, that there's a much bigger story there because it was Connie uh, Willis, I think, and their friends and. Okay, and it, it, but it's still a very highly volatile story within fandom. Well, sure, and if you take it out of context, and, and when yeah. you say that, like the story was not reported to me saying they were friends, but even so, I get so some people were offended on behalf of this this woman. Okay, you know, I'm not but, saying that to ex- excuse it, but no, there there no, are no. more factors here than just he randomly groped grip somebody's breast on stage. Okay, so. well, then we're going to say out to con- convention goers and, and male listeners and female listeners, because I'm sure harassment isn't limited uh, to from, you know male to female, um, is, you know, maybe this is the culture used to turn a blind eye to this stuff, but it was never right. It was just it was just overlooked. And it's just it's just not right now. We should uh, we should move on to something more uplifting. Fun. Okay, like uh, no, no. Fun. I had I had one more thing to say on this oh, topic. No. Please do, Nate. <laughs> uh, Adrian Curry was on the wrap-up show that I got to go to, and she was saying the day before she was dressed as Catwoman, she was dressed as Poison Ivy, and someone ran up behind her and, and grabbed plucked. her, and what? And plucked her. 
No, grabbed her breasts and yelled comic book titties and ran away. That's insane. This is, yes. you know, the, the, the real problem with popularity is that all kinds of people will now come to your your event they will well, they see that, this stuff on tv true. and they go hey uh they're just strippers there in the aisle and we can go act like they're strippers and i was like no you really can't and you're you're really this is this is a it's no, I, the exclusivity exclusivity of fandom um used to be you had to be into it to go to know to go and now it's like you can't yeah, not you know, know that Comic Con is coming up. You cannot. I, I, we don't have proof that the people that that are behaving this way are outsiders, because you and I both certainly know our share of people within fandom who are socially awkward people. Yeah, but uh, the 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 aggressive ones that I've been I've observed are almost uniformly people who were not what you'd think of as part of the convention. They're, okay. they're there and especially conventions where in the evening they'll have parties yeah there are a whole group of people that just show up for that because they oh, know yeah. they know there's free booze walking through walking around we shouldn't tell them that because i don't know where to go god um, knows there was yeah no and we attended our fair share of parties this year and so and those are the people that i think are also ending up going going and causing Riots and there's no way to, there's no way to say these are all frat boys or these are all you know hicks or these are all no, rednecks. And I, and I know you want to be more uplifting, but I don't mind when the podcast gets a little serious on this because this is news. And the other thing that happened, and this is something that I predicted was going to happen for a few years, was there was a hit and run accident caused by the Walking Dead zombie walk. Ah, uh, yeah. And you know that's where where basically a couple were in their SUV. Uh, their kids were in the back seat, saw the zombies, and freaked out. And the, apparently both of the couple were deaf. And uh, so, you know, there's a, a lot of conflicting reports, but ultimately um, there was a woman injured in it. Thankfully, no fatalities. But, you know, I, I was saying this is like if somebody wanders into San, it's downtown San Diego, and there are, again, despite our bubble, you know, uh, how we feel like this has become so mainstream, I still encounter people that go, what, Comic-Con's going on? You know, <laughs> so um, if you they wander into downtown and don't understand it and suddenly there's <laughs> the zombie outbreak has happened, uh, you know, I mean, I sat in on the iZombie press conferences and that was what we were saying, like, you know, again, uh it could happen at Comic-Con and no one would notice for a few days that the apocalypse has begun. Uh, and so, you know, there, there it is that there's such a, it's such a blurry line on the streets and it used to be contained in the convention center and you paid to be part to take part in that show. And now that show has spilled over and it has spilled over to Salt Lake city because apparently San Diego Comic-Con has sent a cease and desist letter. Although the phrasing that uh, Rick put in the itinerary tells me there might've been an uh, update on the story today. Is this true that they've, they're going directly to court or is it still at the cease and desist? They're at cease and desist. Yeah, and it's um, the, it's an, a specific use of the word Comic Con without when they're using it without Salt Lake City and the phrasing. Yeah, which I think is reasonable. We know that um, you know Big Wow Comic Fest in San Jose used to be called SuperCon, and basically the owners of Big Wow felt that they could not. There was they just couldn't afford. They'd sent a cease and desist letter to. Uh, Supercon in Florida asking them to change their name 
and they realized that that convention was bigger than them, which meant they probably had more legal recourse to fight, you know, so it wasn't worth it to uh, Supercon San Jose to keep that, to have that fight, and then they changed their name. But it is worth it to San Diego. The thing is, though, Salt Lake City Comic Con is huge. If San Diego brought in 140,000, I've heard that as an estimate, Salt Lake City Comic Con had 120,000 the same weekend as WonderCon, which only brought in 60,000. So, um, you know, and they're running twice a year as well. Only one's called Fan Expo, but it's the same show. There's, the, um, there's a couple more factors here that weren't necessarily yeah. in the article. The first is that San Diego Con- Comic-Con is run as a not-for-profit. Not for right. But the Salt Lake City is is part of a corporation that is definitely making a profit off this. The, the problem with the terminology a court threw out a, an earlier case against san diego comic-con to restrict everyone from using comic-con the way they wanted to but it doesn't mean it couldn't be overturned or amended the the real problem with with this type of uh, a copyright situation or a, a, a term use one is does the offending party or the allegedly offending party um profit from a confusion as to who's who and does it hurt the original party? I can say from personal experience in talking to where I have, I have somehow become, um, by virtue of, uh, you know, uh, sort of a consultant for people that want to yeah. make a presence at Comic-Con. And um, so I can say there is confusion. And it's not necessarily intentional it might be on Salt Lake City's part. I wouldn't say that, but I, I think intentional versus just profiting over the confusion. It's uh, the the idea right. that they use the term because they know it will draw people, and right. it's a term and, that San Diego built. Right, and there is there are several other smaller conventions that oh, yeah. use that term that should be aware that this is coming. Now, I I have befriended. <laughs> the corporation because corporations are people i befriended uh the salt lake city comic-con on facebook and their postings have been uh you know their thanks for the publicity there's the you know they're they're posing it as this david versus goliath story and they're putting you know their editorial cartoons in the salt lake city tribune yeah it's uh, the best the best press on this on their side is from the salt lake city tribune (laughs) Yeah, you know, and they're pushing it out there and saying, so they are. I mean, they are profiting off of it. But I know that uh, recently a creator told me that he was launching a project at Comic-Con in March. And I said, I'm sorry, what? And he said, no, in Comic-Con, in in Indianapolis. Yeah. And I said, that's not Comic-Con. He said, what do you mean it's not Comic-Con? I said, it's not Comic-Con. You think you're going to, you know, and there was no understanding that, it's just become like Kleenex, a shorthand for people to say any kind of comics convention. But the trademark really does matter yeah. because it's become huge, huge business. Comic-Con International is a not-for-profit, but it's a huge business for those who are for-profit. In fact, um, Lon Lopez just told me Wizard World's going to come to San Jose in 2015. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so, I mean, talk about someone who's making a huge profit. Wizard World is an absolute for-profit, you know, convention. Nothing wrong with that. But Comic-Con International built the brand, and in the United States, made it what it is. So, 
Now, if, if the, the one other thing that we can watch for in this story is there is one convention that has a trademark relevant to this, and that is Denver Comic-Con. Actually, it has a trade. I think it's Denver, has a trademark on that whole phrase, Denver Comic-Con. Okay, well, that's okay. If it's Denver Comic-Con, right. you say that. Right. You know. Um, so the speculation is that Salt Lake City could make a similar trademark as long as they include Salt Lake City Comic-Con in it and, don't, and, and just I don't, don't use the Comic-Con phrase. I agree. I think that's probably what Comic-Con would, what San Diego Inter- or Comic-Con International would like to have happen. Yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, because there's a New York Comic-Con and we never, you know, we always, you know, it is New York Comic-Con. It's understood. That's NYCC. Oh, for the longest yeah. time I got confused over those two. I thought it was related to the one one too. Which I think they wanted you to. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> you know? And the Comic-Con just woke up to it. I mean, you know, there's a branding going on. There's a reality. It's 2014. Everything has to be branded. And that's just the way. It's an IP. Comic-Con is its own intellectual property now. So we shall see. It is that time. Uh, just, Let, uh, a, just a second. I have one more uh, semi-uplifting story from Comic-Con. Oh, good. I just didn't have it. Which you're not expecting from me because I didn't go. But I have a good friend, Gene Martin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about who Gene. Is, who is the, uh, she writes for the Examiner on uh, costuming and stuff. And this was the first year she was able to go to Comic-Con. And on the first day, and, and not only that, they were putting together a huge, she and her husband, Christopher, were putting together a huge um, masquerade presence. Uh, yes, I know, because I ran into uh, the first and second doctors. Yes. And, her, and, and Jean's husband, Christopher, once uh, lectured me on the uh, coloring of, of one of the doctors on a T-shirt I had. Nice. So Nice. <laughs> no, he, uh, Debbie was actually involved in this by virtue of having done uh, Philip Gust's uh, character. He did the William Hartnell, and Debbie uh, groomed his wig, cut and groomed his wig. So Well, I ran into Philip. And and yes, so so anyway, so on their first day, Jean lost her badge. Oh, and she was just like, "Oh, I'm so. I mean, what's going to happen?" And I and I I I said, "I really don't know. You have to go down to the to the uh, uh, to the main group." And it turned out, I would have expected she. What would you expect? You got to buy a whole new badge, right? Um. I'd I would expect your you have no recourse for this because somebody took your badge and is using it. Yeah, she had to pay twenty dollars to get a new badge for the four days there. Twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. That's not a bad. That's not bad. No, she had to spend a half an hour to prove that she was in line and you know that she had. But uh, I was amazed. So I don't know. There may have been there may have been an additional stipulation because I know that. Uh, if you're in the if you're in the masquerade, they often they often will make additional memberships available for those people for groups, uh, and, and so it may yeah. have been related to that. But I was just amazed, and so there's a happy ending there for Gene. So congratulations, and they took second place in recreations, and they got a judges award. So cool, yeah. No, I, I've seen that, and like I said, I, r- I ran into Phil and Kathy uh, strutting. And, uh-huh. and they deserve to strutting on uh, autograph uh, uh, the sales pavilion. They don't want to call it autograph alley anymore, but it's the sales pavilion. Uh, I was going up to visit my friend Jason Williams, who uh, had signed, made his first convention appearance, and uh, so. Um, 
That's the yeah. S A I L S, right? Pavilion. S A I L S, because the, the roof sale. of it. Yeah. It's an include. It's an enclosed uh, patio, basically. Um, wow. So, um, so yeah, that's that is good. Because I, I, I do want to end this by saying, I feel like for the the things that have happened at Comic Con, they are doing the best they can. I could not imagine owning, managing, running an event as huge as that that keeps just getting bigger. And every time you've responded to something that happened one year, it's like. <laughs> some new problem that there's no way you could have predicted that was going to happen happened. I do think, and we've talked about it before, like NYCC. I think that Comic Con has to go to RI uh, RIFDs or RFIDs. Yeah, you know, um, be faster. I, uh, Nerd HQ had them, uh-huh. so uh, you know, I think that if Nerd HQ had them, then it's going then it could seep over to the to the nonprofits. I go to and much I, smaller and, conventions that use them. Yeah, and I think it would just make sense because I think you know they tried a new uh, new policy in place for Hall H to make it more fair. Um, there were still complaints, but of course there's going to be because look, not everybody's going to get to see Hall H, you know. But I also said what uh, was while the policy? I was waiting, what, was, what? what was the policy? Um, they were doing colored wristbands, so they knew how long you'd been there and were clearing out some things, oh. and so there was a little more of a rotation than has than have been. Oh, that's good. I think, yeah, I think they should actually just clear it every time. I think they're gonna have to go to that. I, I really think they are, and uh, but I, I also think that they're gonna. I, I I still go with the theory that you know maybe people will pay a little extra and they'll do a closed caption, a closed circuit broadcast someplace else, um, you know, in another space. Another good a idea. Restaurant, a restaurant downtown or something, you know, something. There are other places they could, they could. Where they could cl- close circuit to one of the theaters downtown, and you know I think that would make enough of a difference. So one thing um, that one thing that Salt Lake City Fantasy Con did was they sold multiple levels of badges. So if you were a VIP badge, there were special seats up in front that you sure, you and that's what to. Wizard World is doing. So Wizard World has VIP access. You spend like one hundred fifty dollars extra. Not only do you have the front three rows, and Salt Lake City fan expo i know because uh, a guy had sent me photos that i was running he'd gone and he paid extra so the for-profit ones are doing that mm-hmm. um and the, there it is that i i know lawn when uh wizard world was in Sa- sacramento paid extra so that he got uh not only did he get front row seating to the panel but he got a meet and greet and photo uh taken with chris hemsworth hmm and uh, the guy Norman Reedus from The Walking Dead, so you know they they're offering those tiers, and but then I'm also fearing that the convention experience is becoming socially stratified. You know, we're dividing into the haves and have-nots, and this is not the Comic Con's fault, but you know we just all of us walk around walking around. So you know, you could walk by three happening restaurants with, with Comic Con pandering and Comic Con specials, and it's great. And then there's an empty storefront that's been abandoned for like, you know, a year and homeless people sleeping right there, 
right next to another great happy you know thing and yeah. the hard rock nobody it was like it became like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory you never saw anybody go in there's always a crowd waiting to see who was going to come out what stars were going to come out and the hard rock used to be some place that was malleable you could go both places you know you could go in you were not allowed to walk into the hard rock unless you were somebody or a guest wow and so that made things a little difficult um so but let us move in and on and play Nate, it's, I know it's not a game. The segment we call What's in the Bag. What's in the bag? What's in the bag? There we go. Comic-Con edition. Optional. So, Nate, you did get to go to the store today. What's in your bag? Robert Kirkman's Outcast number two. Excellent. You going to leave it at that? No, oh, well, I'm supposed to talk about it. Well, you sure. You why is it? Why is it in your bag? <laughs> uh, this issue kind of opens up a little bit about what's going on in this poor gentleman's so far seemingly crappy life. Uh, there's a mysterious figure introduced who people seem to know. Some of the characters seem to know who he is. Okay. And uh, clearly the main character either doesn't know who he is or doesn't know about him yet. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, and at Comic-Con, Kirkman announced that uh, this has gone to pilot. That's right. Yeah. Outcast has gone to pilot. With Cin- Cinemax? Was it? I believe it was Cinemax. What's the yeah. other one? It's only Showtime, S- HBO, and Cinemax. Yeah, Cinemax. Okay, so, um, so I gambled correctly by buying that first issue. Not that I'm that kind of a, a, a buyer. Speculator. I'm not a speculator, but it, it was a good book. So I'm looking forward to getting issue two. I just didn't get a chance to. I missed get it. To Earth two today. So okay, Rick, what's in your bag? So I'm, I'm actually I'm holding a book that I think I'm going to bet that Nate is going to do. So I'm going to put that one aside. And instead, okay. I'm going to start with uh, with a book by Rick Remender and Greg Tocchini. Okay. Called Low, which oh, is yeah. another book from Image. And this is kind of, it's a dystopian uh, world under the sea because the world up above is uh, is radi- radiated by a dying sun. It, I'm, it's hard to determine how far in the future this is supposed to be. I haven't read through the book. But beautifully uh, rendered uh, art looks. It looks very painted, although I'm sure that it's, it's done somehow using Photoshop and other stuff. Uh, could just be sketched and then computer computer painted. Um, first issue is is just a. Uh, I have another page count, but it's thicker than most. And uh, image has been doing that. It's it's. Uh, but it was three ninety nine, which was a little higher for an image book. Yeah, that's true. So, but I'm uh, I'm encouraged. This was up in front. Uh, uh, Neil at uh, at uh, um, hijinks. Hijinks uh, does a, a a stand by the cash register with with picks and good books that you might have missed, and this was there, and so I picked it up. All right, all right, cool. Well, um, uh, I'm gonna go Comic Con wise. Uh, and uh, from my stack of books I bought was uh, from Atomic Basement Comics, which is actually run out of the comics bug in Manhattan Beach. 
uh, and Ninth Circle Studios, Guns Ablazin number two. I know the guy who does that. That it, do you know both of them? You do. You do know because they both been on our podcast. Mike Wellman is the writer, and Rafael Navarro is the uh, artist, or as they would say it, writing and drawing. Uh, and uh, they released the first issue last year, and they promised they're actually going to be more. Uh, I think they're going to try to go quarterly from here on out. Uh, but they but they launched the second issue at Comic Con, and for those who don't remember from last year when I talked about this book, or actually I think they were on a podcast. I interviewed them both out of Comic Con, and uh, it's basically these two uh, cowboys who one of them understands the secret to time travel, and in the first issue had taken saved his partner from uh, an attack uh, on the fort they were in by going back in time to the age of the dinosaurs, and then a spaceship appeared. So now more is uh, is unveiling here. I just find it, I love Raphael's art anyway, which is reminiscent because he'd worked on the shows, you know, of Bruce Timm's animation art. And uh, it's, uh, it's an excuse for them to just throw every genre into the blender. It's, uh, you know, it... it, it it, it reminded me of, of uh, Saga with a lot more testosterone, maybe. Yeah. Um, and I love Saga. I'm not saying this is, you know, I, it's just um, there's a fun that Saga just doesn't have. Fun Saga is good, It's but it's not one of those. It's a lighthearted fun book. Uh, you know, it, it, Guns Ablazing is lighthearted and fun. And so I heartily recommend that if you can find it. Uh, if you can't find it, I know it's available through Diamond, so talk to your store, local store owner, and uh, see if they can order it through Diamond. And you know, if they don't give an award for this, but if they did, Mr. Nafaro would be a shoe-in for Best Dressed Artist. Oh, absolutely. Man, that guy is one sharp-dressed. He had so many good-looking women hanging off of him, too. Oh, watching geez. his pictures, and, and that, and uh, that's why I think he's one of the characters in the book uh, yeah. who has good-looking women hanging off of him everywhere he goes, and that is true about Raphael. And I also say, probably out of all I, the friends that I have made through my years at Comic Con, uh, most affable artist as well. Always in a good mood, yeah. always kind yeah. to everyone. Just a great guy. So if you didn't go by his booth, you should have. All right. So next up, Nate Hulk. Versus Iron Man, original sin number three. No. Point three. Whatever. It's, yeah. How's that one going? Uh, it's going good. So, well, it took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> right there in the middle of your sentence. <laughs> I know. I just like the way that ended up being phrased. <laughs> it so. started off. You know, okay, Tony Stark kind of had some backroom dealings with General Ross. They wanted him to take a look at the uh, Gamma Bomb. But, of course, Tony has, A, wiped his memory, and, B, wouldn't have remembered anyway because he was so hammered he blacked out. Uh, But then at the end, uh, so then you find out that maybe he didn't just forget one thing. So it's like, really? You just want to keep adding on to... We'll see what the thing is. But these guys are all supposed to be good guys, right? So how can you tell me that this is a superhero who is a complete 
A, moron, and B, jerk. Well, if they're really playing up the drinking during that period of time, that would explain a lot of it. Yeah. I guess. We can help. <laughs> I don't think the Hulk is going to care much when he's melting or uh, smashing Iron Man's helmet. That's true. Around That's his head. True. Yes. Yes. So, okay. Next up from Rick. Well, I'm going to do this one even though I haven't got too much to say about it. Um, other than the fact that with issue number eight, the dynamite run of Man of Bronze is coming to a close. Uh, and, yeah, I have to uh, wait till this weekend to buy that. It's unfortunate because, uh, again, this one looks this looks really pretty good. It's got a great cover on it. Um, I did sneak a peek at the end of the the book just to make sure that it uh, says that's it. Yeah, yeah and it, it's it's one of those never the end kind of things, you know. So. Never the end, but the end for now. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with one. I thank Nate for this, and it's going to be one of the interviews we're teasing for uh, the upcoming, you know, the next couple of podcasts are sort of in production right now, and they'll be released, and one of them is going to be Nate's uh, interviews at Comic-Con. And uh, so I'm going to recommend, I picked up this trade paperback from Top Cow. I don't think I've ever before felt impelled to buy a top cow trade paperback so i think this is the first one i bought for that imprint it Hmm. is laramie taylor's a voice in the dark um so nate uh you showed me the way did you buy this by any chance did you read this no i didn't buy anything okay (laughs) okay you were the wiser one um laramie taylor is a quadriplegic who writes draws uh an incredible creator, uh, really a great artist who's his, his work is reminding me of the Luna brothers. Um, you know, who, uh, they, they do the several things, sword, uh, several things from image for the, over the past few years, people really loved, uh, ultra. They had done a, one about a fashion model superhero. Um, and what he's created in a voice in the dark is about a teen girl who goes off to college after discovering that despite, a pretty good, pretty open upbringing that she actually has darkness within her that uh, is leading her to realize she may just be on the path to become a serial killer. And uh, going off to a women's college where she starts a radio show at the college radio called A Voice in the Dark where people can call in and reveal their deepest, darkest secrets. And she's hoping that while dealing with those that that will will suppress the urge she has to uh, take a life. So um, it's a very interesting, he said, you know, unsurprisingly perhaps, because of his subject matter, a critical darling but not burning up the shells. But I really do recommend this. This is a, just an amazing, uh, I, I really enjoyed the book, and it's uh, issues one to seven, $20 from Image, and... Um, they said a, a new miniseries will be coming in just a, a couple of months, and they're going to go color. So the trade paperback is in, in uh, black and white. But uh, And there's a reality here that, you know, it's never gotten in our way as readers, but there's a group of people that will not pick up a book if it's in black and white. So they're going to go color and see if this uh, interesting crime, I guess you call it crime drama, plus actually realistic teen girl characters, uh 
you know, a, a, as realistic as anything in Ms. Marvel. So I was really glad to discover this book. So He was born with a congenital disorder called arthrogryposis. Uh, regardless, I don't want to dwell on that, although, yeah, the, like I think KNTV, our local NBC affiliate, ran a story on him, and that's, you know, that's kind of the human interest side. But throw the, all that away, because what it is is a good book. And so I really recommend uh, A Voice in the Dark from Top Cow and distributed by Image. So, Nate, <laughs> what have you got as your third book this week? The third book in my bag, which I have not read yet, is Justice League number 32. All right. That's and that's long. in my bag because that's one of the few DC books that's still in my bag. Uh... Because I'm really not a huge fan of the new 52, really. But this run of Justice League is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So Justice League is still in my bag. Superman still, well, was recently added back into my bag because of Jeff Johns and John Romita. Uh, Batman, Batman Eternal, Batman 66. Those are the only DC books I'm reading. But what's cool about this... Justice League book is Lex Luthor is a member of the Justice League. He's on the cover holding Batman's head. Cowl. Batman's decapitated head. <laughs> no! no. It's it's like Luthor's learned one secret. When will he learn them all? Uh, so he's holding Ben Affleck's cowl. Yes, okay. exactly. He's saying, why are the ears so short? <laughs> And, and fans are going, didn't you read Dark Knight Returns? You were in the sequel. <laughs> uh, so, Rick, what's next in your bag? Okay, so the next book I have is from Cryptozoic. And oh, it's, intriguing. It's book one of six, an adaptation of Hugh Howley's Wool, which is the first book in a trilogy of books. It really gets confusing because... Wool itself is four mini books within its cover. And then there are two books that follow afterwards that comprise what's called the Silo Saga. And basically it's a future dystopian. Um, We live underground now because the surface of the earth must be, after all this time, still contaminated and deadly. And people who question things are sent up to the surface. And you can ask to go to the surface and... Um, I'd started reading the book and I was intrigued by it and never got back into it. Um, so I decided to pick up the first of the, uh, of the series. Uh, it's funny though, because I've got to look into this more. I looked into it a little bit before the podcast, um, because I thought I had seen this on Amazon already as a graphic novel and it is, but it's a pre-order. So oh, okay. they're already soliciting the pre-order of the graphic novel, uh, for wool. Again, the first of the, uh, that's not, that's not surprised to me. Like Marvel has things listed for a year in advance. Yeah, this was this was actually the original novel is quite an interesting story because it was uh, it was published through Amazon's digital uh, authors series, where people who don't necessarily have publishing contracts can still self publish and be distributed through Amazon. And Simon and Schuster picked up this book for half a million dollars, and uh, but. Uh, Holy Holly still owns all digital rights to it. So okay. you you may have seen the the huge omnibus editions of Wool and uh the other ones showing up in local bookstores. 
Interesting. Interesting. So, I don't know. Somebody just recommended those. Did you just recommend those books to me? I may have. As I know somebody had just been talking about wool. So, um, I shall go to uh, one last thing. It actually came out, I guess, two weeks ago now. Uh, but it's worth mentioning because we have personal connections, which is the Sakai Project. The uh, art book from Dark Horse. I don't normally buy art books, but I, I bought this from Dark Horse. One, because Stan Sakai, I got, I had the privilege of getting to sit down and interview him at Comic-Con, thanks to Ob Driver at, at Dark Horse. But it's, also, it's a book full of, for those who don't know Stan Sakai's work, is the creator of Usagi Yojimbo, the uh, samurai rabbit, uh, and he tells stories of feudal Japan with this rabbit whose ears are tied in a top knot. Um, Stan has, his family has unfortunately had a series of tragedies this year. So Dark Horse, oh, I guess at, at first the Cartoonist Society, Comic Book Artist Society got together and said they wanted to hold a, a charity and have people donate artwork uh, to auction off. And then Dark Horse stepped forward and said, "We'd like to uh, we'd like to publish it as a book, and then give all the profits to the Sakai family." And uh, so, anyway, they expected, according to Stan, in, he expected like maybe twenty five artists to contribute. They got all over over four hundred from around the world, uh, donating artwork to sell at this auction, and that includes two people we actually know and have had on the podcast, which is. Nate's brother Ben Costa uh, has a, I believe, full page in the Sakai Project. And what I just discovered this week after buying the book was that uh, Gaz Gretzky, who uh, is an artist oh, who sweet. who goes to uh, Elusive quite a bit, we we're friends, and um, and I think we've had Gaz on the podcast a few times, just sitting in and talking about things. And uh, so he's got a third of a page, but and it's funny. I think Ben got a quarter page. Okay, okay, so um, I'm still going to have both of them sign it. So anyway, it really is a beautiful book with I mean, some amazing art. Uh, all of it, just fantastic that, the, that the, this many people in the community came, came together, which is something, again, we talked about Comic-Con, and I go, you know, the reality is in the comics community, um, occasionally creators are grumpy because they're human beings and they're not necessarily the most extroverted of people, but they're good people. And, uh, you know, so uh, it's it's really nice to have been able to both uh, give money to a, a creator who has given joy to a lot of people, but also to get such a beautiful book back. So um, I have one last news thing, just because the way this article is written by this site, uh, headline alone. Can, we, can, uh, I, can I postscript the comics for a second? Yeah, go ahead. I am disappointed in both of you because neither one of you picked the book I set aside at the beginning which was uh, John Lehman's Chew, Warrior Chicken Pollo. And I really expected one of you to pick up the slack there. I didn't get to the store. Nate? I did get to the store, and I did get it. The problem is I put it already with my Chew books because I'm behind, so uh, I okay. didn't have it in my stack. So okay. hot. Anyway, oh, which we <laughs> should mention, uh, Lehman is taking over Cyclops for Marvel. Oh, cool. That's right. Yeah, he announced that at Comic-Con. And then I have this headline. So I just, from a site called The Outhousers, which does a much better job of being funny about comics than Fanboy Planet does, so I recommend it, outhousers.com, uh, is 
uh, <laughs> Image sent a press release out uh, yesterday saying that they're uh, announcing what we would expect. The Saga Book 1, basically an omnibus hardcover, uh, over 500 pages, collecting the first three volumes of the series. But the headline <laughs> is, New Saga Hardcover Omnibus, perfect for pitting people who don't read Saga over the head with. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> How much does it cost? Uh, let's see if it... Uh, I don't see a, uh, a price on... Wait, let's see. Uh, yeah, they have not... They don't put a price on it, but I would imagine we're talking at least $60, right? Um, it'll be released November 25th in time for Christmas. And a brand new cover by Fiona Staples. Now, is that Image's uh, first omnibus edition of anything? I don't know. No, they've no, got... because they've done Walking Dead omnibus. Oh, they've done the uh, yeah, the Walking Dead, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's Spawn. And by the way, it reminds me that Brian K. Vaughn did say he would take us to lunch, but didn't. So, um, <laughs> at the comic book legal defense fund party, uh, yeah, Nate called him on it right at the right at the you know backed him up over the edge at the Westgate Hotel. And so he said he would take us out, but he didn't. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry. Here it is. It's the forty nine ninety nine. Oh, fifty dollars for that omnibus. That's, that's suggested retail. That's suggested retail. Wow, that's that's awesome. Eighteen issues, forty nine ninety nine, and an omnibus edition. That's fantastic. And so yeah, uh, so that's the news I wanted to share there on comics, and we can move to movies. Dun, dun, dun. Movies? Wait. What are those? Those are the things that both Nate and I in separate cities will go see on Thursday night. Uh, but Rick got to see last night. I'm going to just totally be mean and say one sentence. Guardians of the Galaxy. Rick got to go to the press screening and take and take the lovely Debbie Brett Schneider to Guardians of the Galaxy. So they had a date night. We was had margaritas beforehand. Oh, it was a great date movie. Okay. That's not other review. <laughs> nope, that's your sentence. That's your sentence. That's it. No, <laughs> you want me to give one sentence on this? The sentence you said up the ahead. Spoiler-free one sentence. The spoiler-free one sentence this. is. Go ahead and just say it. Just, this is the best movie Marvel has produced ever. Yes, and at Comic Con on Saturday, James Gunn uh, sent a video in in which he announced that they are indeed already working on Guardians of the Galaxy two. He said he knew it was presumptuous. But they were going to do it anyway. And so that's just great. I'm so excited. I'm shocked that they made such a rash decision. Uh, yeah, there is a uh, there is a, a James Bond-ish thing at the end of the movie. That is a spoiler, Rick. <laughs> the, the, no, you didn't get to see the... <laughs> no, no, no. The, the, the James Bond-ish thing is the Guardians of the Galaxy will return. Oh, oh. okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. They didn't also... name the movie. For the press, you did not get to. They did uh, not show um, the right. tag at the end. I, tag, I'm, I'm yeah. already planning on going again on Monday to, just to see the last yeah. couple of minutes. I'll probably watch the whole movie again. The Marvel, I Mar- would hope. Marvel. Well, for that price, Jiminy Christmas Man. I'm going to go see it. I'm going to go see an IMAX uh, 3D this time. That's um, what I think I'm going to do. The, yeah, that's uh, what I'm doing for free. Marvel is Marvel is doing uh, a very smart thing this week with the movie coming out this week. They got not one but two Guardians of the Galaxy books out. So well, the, the regular book and then a 100th anniversary Guardians of the Galaxy. Jeez. Which, who would have imagined? And I saw at least three rocket raccoons walking around uh, Comic-Con. And uh, I replaced my uh, Superman Lego keychain. Uh, with a Star Lord Lego, excellent. And, uh, oh. 
yeah, I, I went, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the, take the plunge. And, um, my, my Superman broke. Uh, so, uh, Star Lord will last longer, hopefully. Uh, so yeah, it's just going to, it's going to kick butt. Right. And so, um, they're already looking forward to it being the number one August opening movie in history. We shall see. Um, they're still only looking at uh, two is going to be a mid July in 2016 or 2017. Nate, do you remember? 17. They, the, 17. They announced many things, you know, um, uh, there's been some cash shakeup in Ant-Man. They confirmed that, uh, Evangeline Lilly will be right. That's who's cast in Ant-Man will be playing hope Van Dyne who is the daughter of Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne. And there are fans already in an uproar that they're not giving due credit to one of the founding members of the Avengers by having her essentially be, she died sometime in the past off camera. And like, okay, once again, they are fictional. And uh, I think this implies still that Hope Van Dyne will become the Wasp. So they just changed her name. I don't know. But uh, that's there. There were some cast exits uh, from Ant-Man as well. So, you know, the, but they... The Hope they, Van Dyne thing does get you around the whole turbulent marriage thing. It does. See, you're right. There's a perfect thing. And then uh, the guy that was in, that was Hemingway in um, Midnight, at, uh, Midnight in Paris. Um, oh, yeah, and, yeah. He's going to play uh, one of Scott Lang's enemies who they revealed at Comic-Con also was Yellow Jacket. So the incent- the basically they're creating a way to get around the tur- turbulent marriage to acknowledge all the identities of Hank Pym and it'll be interesting that you know here's a here's a different take on the way the hero story is being told. Ant-Man was operating for decades and and letting other people using his power. And so Scott Lang is, you know, the next uh, logical one, you know. Um, so they found a way to put the generational hero story in uh, to film. Corey Stoll. Corey Stoll. Great actor. He was on um, House of Cards as well uh, for Netflix. And uh, so. I'm sorry, it, I got distracted for a second. Did you mention the Yellow Jacket thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Corey Stoll will have sorry. revealed to have been Yellow Jacket. Yeah. Got it. Keep up. Oh, no, I've got something um, going on here that was taking me out. Okay. Um, anyway, so they announced that. They did a little bit of footage of Avengers 2, Age of Ultron, um, and then uh, DC tried to steal everything away with Superman, which is true. Mostly what people were talking about was Superman v, uh, Batman v Superman with the revelation reveal of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. And uh, so, uh, I don't know. Did you get a chance to see? It was up very briefly, the little bit of footage they showed. The illegal footage? No, I never watched that. I didn't see that. Yes, Uh, I saw it. You know, it was one of those things. Actually, I think I can quote out of of country. I I had a good long talk on Sunday with Rafael Navarro about it. And I said, my problem with the footage they showed, which, of course, it was... um, illegally shot and you can hear all the hoots and hollers from the convention floor and it reminded me of the fan trailers like i go back to grayson and that um batman versus alien versus predator one with it i can't remember what the actual title of it is with the joker um that was a few years ago great 
you know, really cool video, um, is it was all fan service. It wasn't anything that told me anything about what's this story going to be like. What's this, except it's, it's going to be just grim- foreplay. It it wasn't even foreplay. That was like you know that was just like a like a kiss that said we'll go out later. Um, it, it was uh, basically Batman on the on the roof of a building, and he's in the rain, and he turns on the bat signal, and it lights up that Superman is floating high above him with his eyes glowing red, and it goes back to Batman, and his eyes are glowing white, and then everybody. Uh, you know, finished up their foreplay, and he's smiling. Out. They t- they needed to take a nap, and and that was it. That's all they showed, and is it? That's like you could have done that as a cutscene of a video game. Uh, you know, it's not like it just doesn't tell me anything. So, uh, but Ben Affleck and uh, Henry Cavill were both there on hand for the uh, reveal of Gal Gadot as well, um, and so you know the other interesting, and I don't know if it actually came out of Comic Con, was that Valiant is getting a movie adaptation. Archer and Armstrong is going to be a film. That's interesting. Yeah, that's out of left field. Yeah, I, I great will characters agree. though. Great characters. I mean, yeah, yeah. So interesting. They're the they are are they time travelers or am I confusing that with? I think that I, of, as I recall, I think they're just ancient. Okay. Like immortals that it, like. Armstrong is. I think Archer wasn't. Okay, I, he was the he was the boy, right? He was the, he literally was an Archer. Yeah, in the original. But I haven't read any of the Valiant revival. No, I've read the there. revival at all, so I don't know if they've changed things around. But that's really cool. And then uh, Mike Rabel from Cinequest just sent me a Business Insider uh, quote, which I just really like. Uh, an article on uh, there's a there's a, a biography of Joss Whedon coming out next week uh or actually i guess this friday uh and it quotes uh a letter from tom hiddleston to joss whedon after receiving the script for avengers that says joss i'm so excited i can hardly speak uh the first time i read it i grabbed at it like charlie bucket snatching for a golden ticket somewhere behind the chocolate in the wrapper of a wonka bar it just and it just has it's it's great. Thank you for writing me my Hans Gruber, but a Hans Gruber with super magic powers as played by James Mason. So <laughs> I love that summing up of Loki. So I didn't know this book was coming about Joss Whedon, but I think Joss Whedon the biography may be an interesting thing for us to uh, purchase and read. Hmm? I would tend to agree. Yes. So one more uh, one more movie thing. One more movie thing. Go ahead. Uh, the best trailer for a movie that we'll probably never see and oh, and, and since you mentioned video game cutscenes, oh damn it the, yes the deadpool thing was more quotable lines per every 10 seconds which is insane leaked okay so it was leaked in a badly shot version and then blur studios officially released it and so yes i mean now it's out there and i i don't know if the leak was because this is happening more and more it was very clear after Saturday night to jump ahead of TV that you know the Flash pilot and the Constantine pilot were leaked by Warner Brothers on purpose to see what the fan reaction would be. And I have no doubt that this Deadpool release, uh, was, this thing was leaked to otherwise Blur couldn't have done it officially if it wasn't um, you know done to see 
How badly do we want to see Deadpool? Oh, so badly. I know. I know. <laughs> correctly done, Deadpool? That was so Infinitely correctly done. Badly. It was so, so... But it was correctly done. It, I, could, a, I could live, that, I could live so, with the CGI Deadpool. Has it been confirmed that what leaked is not just the sequel to the video game that already came out using Ryan Reynolds' voice for Deadpool? It has been confirmed. It was test footage, animated, yes. It was CG sh- shot and CG'd. It was done by Blur Studios with Ryan Reynolds' uh, cooperation back in 2012, I think. And it's okay, been- way so back this there. was done before the game even came out. Yes, so they've been trying to get this Deadpool uh, footage. You know, uh, They've been trying to develop a script, and the problem still remains. It's an R-rated film, and Fox is not convinced that they could get an audience to an R-rated superhero film. I would say, no, don't do it huge. It's, you know, it's more like kick-ass budget, but it'll go. Because, because frankly, you watch that and go, are you kidding? That's the first time Fox... Fox has done okay with, you know, X-Men, and I still enjoy right. Fantastic Four, Rise of the right. Silver Surfer. But, uh, you know, this is the first time that we'd get an actual... Like, there's no difference. Dead on Deadpool. That's Deadpool. And so I'd love to see that. You know, it also, by the way, just to, you know, talk about Fox screwing up another project, uh, who, the guy playing, um, playing Johnny Storm in the remake, um, Michael, everybody loves, uh, anyway, the guy playing Johnny Storm said, uh, gave an interview it gets just gets worse and worse. Not only did we hear that it was like, oh, they're not going to use any story from the comics, but he said he was quoted as saying, um, "It's not really like, uh, it's not really a cool thing to get the powers. This movie is more about people who suddenly find themselves with disabilities and learn to live with them." Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan uh, took the last possible shred. <laughs> of enthusiasm that any fan could have had for this film and crushed it beneath his boot heel. Wasn't, wasn't, <laughs> it, wasn't it Tapia who, who, uh, who Twittered or wrote on Facebook that there was no line for Hall H to get in to see the four Fantastic Four movie? I, I don't know. I didn't even know they had a panel for it. I think that's what he said. Oh, my gosh. I, Tapia I, wasn't there. Yeah, that's true. So... Uh, Tappy was in Hawaii. But he knows uh, everything. Well, he thinks he does. We'll just... Hmm. <laughs> it might have been Flores. Oh, could have been. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, could have been both of them. Could have been. Let us move on to television. Yay. Shall we? Um, I'm going to... Yeah, there was a you know, big to-do that they announced that... Uh, I, I love the way uh, Clark Gregg said this. Is of course, if you're trying to rebuild Shield, you can bet that Agent Coulson's going to call Xena. Uh, so, Lucy Lawless will be joining. I, I don't think she's a regular. I think it's a limited run, like Bill Paxton, but will be in several episodes. I can of live Agents. with that. What? I can live with that. Bill Paxton yeah. was awesome. It's like yeah. Well, I some... just want the energy that Bill Paxton oh, yeah. brought to the show to maintain. Um, and that is, you know, Lucy Lawless will be coming to S.H.I.E.L.D. And Lucy Lawless, uh, back in the day, she was one of the best things that got added to Battlestar Galactica. Oh, 
she's just one of the best things because they added to anything she yeah. does. So that is exciting. And then you brought up this. Now, so it's actually on ABC. So ABC, I ran the picture today. ABC had a castle. Yeah. Uh, as their uh, as their booth, uh, because they have a couple of different things, um, which is uh, one was uh, the musical that looks like the musical show that looks like Princess Bride, but is in no way Princess Bride. That's the uh, gallant. Ga- no. Gallivant. Gallivant. Uh, so Gallivant, and then they have this weird reality show. Maybe not weird. I don't want to be judgmental. It looks weird. The Quest. So it's a live action LARPing reality series. Yes. What is scripted so, fantasy world with unscripted contestants? Did you watch the? You didn't watch the video then, because they they. I watched. Sh- I watched a trailer. I they, don't know if it's the same one. They show they show these people coming in, and they're 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 basically going into uh, a, an arena, a, a, an environment that's been built out to look like feudal period with knights, and uh, but there's man, it's it's just like it's like the Dungeons and Dragons TV show only done live action with people who are are misplaced from either Survivor or Amazing Race that are that are just like in there to compete with each other um to be the ultimate uh quester or whatever because they will be eliminated as they go along but mm-hmm. yeah the the uh you know the executive said let's for, let's combine survivor amazing race and game of thrones Jeez. yeah uh, i don't know it could it yeah. could be fun to watch i i have to admit i do like survivor I've never really liked Game of Ra- Amazing Race, but Game of Thrones I like to. Um, the idea yes. that the idea that some that these are, it's they're throwing a fair amount of money into it. the The sets look really good. All the props look really good. The special effects look good. So it could be could be a surprising thing. Could be a, right. could be Check horrible horrible too. We'll check it out. We'll check it out. Um, there's a piece of news we seem to have missed, but somebody else linked and, and sent to me that uh, Deborah Ann Wall has been added to the cast of Daredevil for Netflix. She's the red-headed uh, young vampire, Bills Ward, in uh, True Blood. Oh, she's really good. And she's going to be Karen Page. Oh, that's really nice. She's yeah. a good match for that. Yeah, I'm like... That's interesting, you know. Yeah, interesting casting. I'm so. I still don't know when Netflix is going to put Daredevil. When are we going to see any pictures? But uh, it, I'm excited for that series. So uh, one thing I think I may think I heard from that, or no, it's Community. You know, when you go to Yahoo, uh, that uh, Yahoo is going to release Community. They're not going to let you binge watch it first. They're actually going to release episodes of Community once a week. I kind of like that. For seventh season, yeah, so that's good. And uh, our good friend uh, Richard Starkings just uh, posted something uh, live. This is actually kind of fun to be able to say, ooh, we've got live news coming in, that the BBC has announced, at least in Britain, in, in the UK, a 50th anniversary collector's edition Blu-ray of Doctor Who. But as pretty as it looks, I don't think I could recommend it uh, because it has basically you know, the time of the Doctor, or sorry, the day of the Doctor, the time of the Doctor, 
and the name of the doctor and the eighth doctor's uh, little uh, thing, the, the night of the doctor, um, and plus uh, Adventure in Space and Time and the five-ish doctors. But I know those are going to get sold separately, and if you already got... Uh, they're already on the, the the whole season disc, I think. No, they're not. They're not? I did check that. Um, they have been sold separately as Blu-rays, which I purchased. So if okay. you've already purchased those Blu-rays, there doesn't seem to be much in the way of extras that are different. So no need, no need, because the, mm-hmm. the, the Night of the Doctor is already there as well. So, um, uh, yeah, is there anything else from TV that uh, you can think of, Nate, that, uh, we picked, that was picked up? We already said Outcast was going to pilot. They showed the Walking Dead season five trailer at Comic Con, which is now online that everybody can watch. Right, and uh, Mike Tyson mysteries coming to Adult Swim. That's right. Dave got to interview Mike Tyson, and uh, I got to sit down with the cast of I Zombie uh, for coming to the CW. And uh, yeah, I, I still highly recommend the. Uh, the graphic, the trade paperbacks of that, iZombie's an incredible series. Uh, I'm still, uh, I'll see. There's interesting elements to the TV series, but it is going to be very different from the from the actual comic book series from Vertigo, uh, but sharing one basic concept of the young woman who has to eat brains in order to uh, stay, I guess, lucid and not become a flesh-eating monster. So, um, you know, that's interesting. We've all been there. So um, that's going to wrap up, I think, for this week. If you're listening to us uh, on iTunes, uh, you can continue doing so. Or if you're not listening to us on iTunes, you can. Uh, Please rate us, review us, and uh, definitely tell your friends. Uh, We're also available on the Stitcher app. And, of course, you can find us at www.fanboyplanet.com. We're on the page for each individual podcast is also uh, links to various items that we have talked about on the podcast. And if you'd like to, you may, of course, go and follow that like for this week. Uh, we're going to throw in another excuse to get in there for that amazing Batman 66 Blu-ray special uh, collector's edition with a reproduction of the of the Batmobile and a reproduction of the original trading cards. My, it looks beautiful. It's glorious. Those are great trading cards. I've seen a few and uh, when I was a little kid, and I do recall them being great trading cards. I mean, you know, they were kind of parodied in the Avengers as Captain America trading cards. You know, the, the paint style was used. They were all painted. They were all uh, yeah. oil paints. Yeah. I so, have a reproduction set. Yeah, Agent Coulson had the Captain America cards right. that looked like the same thing, same style. So um, I really recommend uh, you know that pick it up. We'll have the link there for pre-ordering. But uh, as always, if there's a local shop that can carry these things, a comic shop for a book, or Barnes Noble local bookstore, please, please uh, help your local mom and pop, or maybe not mom and pop, but at least your local brick and mortar. Uh, small business stay alive and if you'd like to help us stay alive please yeah feel free there's a paypal link on every page click there and you can make a donation to fanboy planet if you've got questions comments compliments commentary criticisms write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com i'm Derek mccaw editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com i'm dan costa and i'm rick brett snyder reminding you to Use, Use your, your powers, powers only for good. Wow. I never give up.
thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. The power of brains compels you! And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your powers, powers only, only for, for good. good. Wow. <laughs> that was the best one yet. We have a different definition. Okay. <laughs>